0: Hey there, thanks for tuning in to Something New Every Week with your host, me, Jason Group. Each week, I'm going to give you something new that's happening in our photographic world, just some great conversations with my friends, and what's going on right now. Something New Every Week is sponsored by Miller's Lab. Miller's Professional Imaging is the largest professional lab organization in the United States. They provide professional prints and press products for professional photographers in all 50 states and Canada. And they're just a great company. If you don't know them, go check them out, millerslab.com. All right, this week's episode of Something New every week. This one's going to be a little bit different, and I'm really excited about it. And I think you guys are going to love it, too. I am here with Kevin Newsom, a.k.a. Reckless Abandon, uh, who has just gone on an incredible journey. Kevin is a photographer in, and I mess this up on every episode. i do not even sure where you're based in Virginia, aren't you? Uh, Tampa, Florida. Were you in but Virginia was, at some point? I was
1: point? born in Virginia. I was born in <laughs> I was that, that helps.
0: Tampa, Florida. Uh, uh, Kevin has been a he's been a professional photographer a long time and has had a great career and is a, is a great photographer. But uh, and we're going to talk about his career in photography a little bit and then talk about this other really just incredible project that he's that he's uh, in, endured himself on. Uh, I'm seeing you guys can't see him, but I'm seeing a much more cleaned up version of Kevin. Beard game is on point um, and uh, looking good. Are you all right over there?
1: Yeah, I'm fine. I'm okay. fine. Okay, <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, so, uh, Kevin,
0: say hello. Kevin say so. Kevin say hello. Well, how are you? I'm doing fine. I'm great. Thanks. <laughs> so, Kevin, uh, for those for those people who don't know you, just give us a, a brief history on. Uh, you, you know, your photography career and, and where you've been?
1: Well, I've spent the last 35 years uh, with a studio in Tampa, a commercially located studio. Uh, we shut it down temporarily in uh, March so I could take a little hiatus and do something a little bit epic and adventurous. And uh, I'm going to be reinventing myself more as an on-location photographer. 75% of my work was on location before I left. Uh, for the trail anyway so uh it wasn't it wasn't it's not going to be a big hardship to reinvent myself right but uh i've i've been you know everything from i did 800 weddings between 1986 and 2007 i think was the last wedding i shot and after the collapse of 07 i reinvented myself from a, a consumer driven photographer doing mostly family children high school seniors uh, and weddings to doing more commercial and corporate work because oh, wow. that's where the money was and yeah. uh, uh, and that was a that was a good choice for us it was a good fit uh, i'm more into photographing conventions these days and hiring out for you know five six day events so it uh, it's, it fills my calendar it's a steady income it's a, a reliable and loyal uh, client base and they right. pay well so you know there's no reason i need to have a the overhead of a studio anymore
0: it is hard giving up that studio and you're right about the reinvention of of yourself and and you just talked about the collapse of 2007 and then we hit the pandemic and each one of these times we need to figure out a new way to to make the money that we were making and uh, it's uh, it's definitely a journey. But yeah, giving up that studio every day I miss my my Chelsea studio in New York, but man, I don't miss chasing that.
1: Chasing that check
0: every month—that I have to write. Trying to
1: cover that over, overhead every week or every month, and uh-huh. that—it's uh, really funny. My—I I, was—I was in a, a good place with it because I did uh, a lot of—I've de- I developed a huge following in foreign passport business. Oddly enough, foreign passports are <laughs> measured in millimeters, and the drugstores and the, the travel clubs cannot do them. So if you're a Canadian citizen or a UK or Australian or something of that nature, then then you had to go to a professional studio. And there's so few of them here in Florida that, that, that are left huh. and that are willing to do it. I found a huge following and I was paying my rent monthly on passports <laughs> alone. And I said, as long as I've got the passport business, this studio is a free overhead. Yeah. And, and that's what kept me going. Even through the pandemic, I could do passports. Huh and um and so oddly enough i i i kept that going for quite a while i i gave it up when uh when i left for the trail and i i turned it all over to another photographer over in saint pete and she is going great guns with it right now so she's 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 got a she's she's paying for her overhead with passport business yeah
0: well that was very nice of you to uh to pass that on to somebody else and uh that's one thing that I've I've noticed about you over the years. Uh, I know that we haven't spent a lot of time uh, in person talking with each other, but uh, you've always been a positive uh, voice on on the Facebook uh, over the <laughs> years. <laughs> over the years, always offering great advice and and you know just if there was knowledge that you could pass on, I've always always admired you for that.
1: Oh, thank you,
0: thank you. Um, so you decide in the pandemic that you're going to take on this this project you're going to you're going to you're going to hike thousands of miles or whatever it was up the wow. Appalachian Trail am i pronouncing it right Appalachian Trail yeah
1: it's really funny there are two ways appalachian and appalachian and it depends on what part of the country you're from evidently (laughs) i've always said appalachian i'm from virginia originally Uh but i've been in florida for 50 years and everybody down here would say appalachian um i think if you're in north carolina or somewhere up in there you say appalachian but i don't think anybody really cares that's you know it's is it, it, when I was on the trail. Most everybody said Appalachian, but you know, most of us actually really just called it the AT. So uh, <laughs> you gotcha. avoided the controversy.
0: Yeah, that that'll do it. So for the so here's this is what we're going to be talking about today. So Kevin decides that he's gonna he's gonna hike the Appalachian Trail, uh, the AT, uh, and the pandemic hits, and I. I'm sure you'll tell us what what the reasoning was, but uh, you did it. and you started a YouTube channel and you made videos along the way, and that's how I kind of discovered it and I followed some of your videos and your Facebook updates. and uh, i I it it it's an incredible journey from what I can see, and it's it's not an easy one, that's for sure. And it's way more nature than I think I would ever want to do or ever. My idea of camping is getting a flat tire on the interstate. So, <laughs> <laughs> I've done that too. <laughs> so, um, I, I, I uh, and I don't know. Like the outdoors, it, it's not the hiking part. It's not the exercise part. That part sounds amazing to me. It's the camping and
1: sleeping on the ground part that I'm not into so much. See, and I'm just the opposite. I found that camping life and the process, to me, was the most attractive part of it. The hiking itself was the least attractive part of it. <laughs> You know, put 30 pounds on your back and climbing a mountain all day. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and on the AT, it is largely a green tunnel. You are not getting the vistas and the views until you hit you know elevation. Huh. So much of the day you spend in a green tunnel, you're not even huh. in sunlight and and you're 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 walking through a forest and you even though you're climbing hills and climbing mountains and descending mountains, you're not really getting out of that green tunnel until you're up around you know four or five thousand feet. Huh. And and even then you'll you'll find yourself cresting a hill or cresting a mountain and you're at the peak of a mountain and you still can't see the sky there isn't you know very there are very few views and vistas the first thousand miles huh. you start really getting some big views and vistas a little further up north okay and uh, so the northern half of the at you get above a tree line mm. and and then you've you've got you know you can see you know 50 miles you can see five states mm. and it's beautiful absolutely gorgeous uh, and I look forward to those. Of course, they're very windy. It's very cold. You right. can't camp above the tree line. They don't want you to stay up there very long. A lot of times you, 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 you can't wait to get back off of that mountain or off of that ridge line, unless it's a very calm day. If it's right. a windy day, it's going to get cold up there pretty quick. But uh, you you know it's it's interesting. I I found that the hiking part was my least favorite. not that I didn't enjoy it. It was my least favorite part of it. Yeah. The process itself, uh, the 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 hiking, or the camping part, the camping life. I really enjoyed that.
0: And I, I see that there were definitely some high highs and low lows along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember the one where I think you peaked. Uh, a mountaintop. I think somewhere in Pennsylvania is a high point. You look like you were just having a blast with the wind blowing and you're singing yeah. and, and, and all that. <laughs> but uh, let's let's go back a little bit. So if, if I'm not familiar with the AT, give me the over the 10,000 foot view of what the AT is.
1: Okay. Well, it was originally conceived uh, exactly 100 years ago in October. Wow. Uh, in 1921, Benton Mackay uh, came up with the idea of creating a trail, and he did so because he wanted to kind of uh, create a footpath, he called it, uh, where people could just become one with nature, and he wanted it on the East Coast, and there was the perfect trail was the, the Appalachian Trail. Well, it, it wasn't a trail, it was a series of very small trails. And his idea was to connect all of these uh, independent trails and create one long one. And by 1937, they were finally completed. So the trail officially uh, became one long trail in 1937. It's, at the time it was about 2050 miles long now it's 2193 miles long so they reroute it every year or every other year every now and then they have to reroute it for one reason or another it still crosses a lot of private land Uh i mean when you when i hiked the trail this year i went through a lot of cow pastures and this you're you're literally on somebody else's property and it's 18 inches wide is the trail (laughs) so you don't get off that trail and, and sometimes cows are laying right on the trail they're <laughs> certainly going to be pooping on it so you've <laughs> got to be able to you know watch your step but um uh the trail goes through 14 states it starts in north georgia at springer mountain
0: okay
1: and it goes all the way to mount katahdin in northern maine um you you're on the ridge line in a lot of the northern states but you're cresting a lot of big mountains the tallest mountain on the appalachian trail is clingman's dome which is just over 6600 uh feet Hmm. and that's in tennessee um okay yeah the tallest mountain is in tennessee but then the most uh uh, dangerous mountains are in the northeast which you know is new hampshire and and maine right Get to New Hampshire, you're in the White Mountains. And the White Mountains uh, have what's called the Presidential Range, which is Mount Washington and Mount Madison. And, yeah. you know, there's about eight or nine mountains that are named for presidents, probably a lot more than that, but you don't go over all of them. Right. Uh, Mount Washington is also considered the home of the world's worst weather. It's one of the most dangerous mountains in the world. It's on the top 10 list of most dangerous mountains huh. in the world. And it's because its its weather pattern is so erratic and unpredictable. Uh, it recorded the highest wind speed ever on Mount Washington, and in, in the in North America, it was uh, I don't even I don't know if it was in the world or not, but 231 miles an hour sustained wind speed, not associated with a tornado or an, a hurricane. And this is so, in New Hampshire. This happened in New Hampshire huh. in 1931 or 1934. Wow. I can't remember when it was, but Mount Washington, they've got a weather station up there, and it has, and it's responsible for recording, you know, the, not just the weather in in Mount Washington, but all over that area. And um, it's very erratic. And to get up to the top of that mountain, they, it only gets sunlight like 60 days a year. The rest huh. of the time, it's under fog and heavy rain. And the day I went up, it was both. And so I got it at its worst reputation. When I when I summited Mount Washington, you couldn't see more than 100 feet. And uh, by the time I was on my way down, you go through a, one area that has a wind tunnel. And the wind tunnel had a speed at the time somewhere around 80 miles an hour. Wow. And, you know, you cross this wind tunnel. It took, took me about 15 minutes to get through this one spot that's uh, a, a wind tunnel. And, um, you know, I didn't know at the time it was a wind tunnel. I just assumed the whole mountain was under the deluge <laughs> of this wind. And I was, I, we, there were three of us together and we huddled under or uh, beside a, a giant boulder, about a, a, a house size oh, boulder. And we stayed there for about 20 minutes and we realized it's not going to let up. We're going to have to, you know, man up and get through this thing and we did and once we got to the other side it blew us down several times i mean wow. you were literally your your pack becomes a sail right. and it just spins you around but i got through uh, we got through mount washington and i was i was glad to have done it at its worst in my yeah. opinion i wanted to see it at its reputation and i and i certainly got that uh, other mountains you know mount katahdin is certainly a very difficult mountain to climb that's the last one uh, a couple other spots were Lehigh Gap in Pennsylvania, very tough one. In fact, they're going to take Lehigh Gap off of the trail this year. I'm told. Oh,
0: I've uh, I've hiked some of those trails, and that's been, hard. Yeah, yeah. Boy Scouts, Boy Scouts, yeah. Scouts growing up. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're uh, they're going to they apparently have, have decided Lehigh Gap was a little too too dicey, so they're going to route it, it off of off of that one rock face, that mountain face there, uh-huh. and uh, go around it, or at least blue blaze away. You know create a white blaze to go around it blazing is is what you use to navigate your way up the trail uh they take a a paintbrush and they they paint a two inch wide six inch long white strip on trees and rocks and it's it's about every you know 20 yards 50 yards uh sometimes you might go a quarter mile and not see one and you're you're worried you're off the trail (laughs) but eventually you'll find it um and uh, so those those white blazes you follow all the way from Georgia to to uh, to Maine and and, and you know, there's something like 165,000 white blazes I'm told. I don't know wow. if that adds up all in one direction or northbound and southbound because they, they literally literally have them on both sides of many of those trees and rocks. No, is it steeper going north or south? <laughs> I, I, about <laughs> 80 or 90% of the people go north. Okay. And and about 20, 10 to 20 percent will go south. Uh-huh. And then some people start, you know, they, they do what's called a flip-flop. They'll go from Springer Mountain up to Harper's Ferry, which is the spiritual halfway point. Then they will fly up to Mount Katahdin and go oh, Mount Katahdin on. down to Harper's Ferry.
0: Okay.
1: So it's called, a, it's called a flip-flop. Then there's, you know, there's the inside out, which is the same thing, only you go Harper's Ferry to Katahdin and then Harper's Ferry to, to Springer. Uh, you know, there's all kind. There's yo-yo, which is the people who go from Springer to Mount Katahdin and then turn right around and walk back to Springer. Ah. Okay, they they will literally walk for you know, eleven months to make that happen. Wow. Uh, I didn't have that in me. I was happy to get to Katahdin and go home.
0: You know, with, uh, I, well, I, I think if you had kept going, you would have shriveled up. Uh, you would have. You were too thin at that point. I can't believe how much weight you lost. I mean, it is, I, from beginning to end, it is a visual journey. You can see how yeah. much weight you lose.
1: It's crazy. Yeah, I, I lost 36 pounds. Um, I've gained about uh, 13 of it back in the last five weeks. So I've, I've been putting the weight back on. I need to get back outside and start walking again. Otherwise, I'm going to balloon. I don't want to slingshot past my old weight, but... Um, yeah, a lot of people do lose weight. i met people on the trail that had lost forty, fifty, wow. sixty pounds, and um, and they looked perfectly normal, which told me that they were very overweight when they started. Mm. But um, they were, you know, they were happy that they were losing that weight, sure. and you know, bless them. I hope that they can hold it off, you know, once they get there, because a lot of them, when they got to Katahdin, I'm sure they looked perfectly normal. They looked fit, right. and I'll tell you this: your legs will get stronger and stronger and stronger. And your upper body will go into total atrophy. There are, there's no fat. I had zero body fat on me by the time I got to Katahdin. And I had no muscle tone at all from the waist up. <laughs> uh, my shoulders and chest were just skin and bone. She, skin and yeah. bone.
0: Right, right. And is there like, did you do any training beforehand? Or you you'd always walked a lot or?
1: I I would, you know, I neighborhood walk, but you can't do elevation training here in Florida. So the best we can do is go climb an overpass. And and it's really, you know, so I I knew that I would not get that aspect of it. So what I did was I did shakedown hikes. I would fly up to uh, uh, Georgia and or drive up there. I've got family in Atlanta and I would get to the trail and I hiked the first 150 miles uh, broken up over four different hikes. So the year prior, in 19 and 20, actually, um, I went up and did like a 30-mile section, and then a 40-mile section, and then an 80-mile section, and then a 50-mile section. Okay. So I did get some sense of what I'd be up against. Right. Um, that was the only training, but it was it wasn't so much training my body as it was. Just getting familiar with the environment and making sure all my gear worked the way I anticipated it was going to work. Because you, you know, I went into this from scratch. I had no, no clue what I was going to be doing. And um, you know, if I could make it, if I could, you know, if I bought the right gear, I did like everybody did. You know, this whole thing started. This was not a bucket list for me. Okay. I walked into a bookstore one night, and some (laughs) guy was giving a speech about his book he'd written on the Appalachian Trail. He'd (laughs) hiked it back in '98. (laughs) And I sat down and I listened and I said, yeah, this sounds kind of interesting. I bought the book and, you know, asked all the same stupid questions everybody asks, you know, did you see a bear? How much did it cost? How much did your pack weigh? Did you poop in the woods? That kind of thing. (laughs) Ultimately, what he did was, you know, he, 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 he was very honest about everything. I went home. I read the book. I was fascinated. And then I went and I bought another book and another one and another one. Mm. Next thing you know, I'd read 21 books mm. and then gone down the rabbit hole of YouTube and started following hikers who were documenting their journey. Right. And I said, okay, this is an epic adventure. It looks safe, yet it is, ca- it is crazy. It is crazy and it's irresponsible and I'm going to close my studio and do it. Mm. And, and, and so I did. And I actually was planning to do it in 2020. I was four days from okay. leaving when COVID struck in late March and it it I had to cancel everything. Right. And um, so I put it off a year and I was concerned that I would lose my drive, my desire. I was afraid that, you know, if I take a whole year off, will I even want to do this by this time next year? Right and uh, i i was i was pleasantly surprised that the fire was still burning in me i wanted to do this and so That's when i incredible. got up there um there was there was no stopping me and it was it was fun it was fun and it yeah. was funny and i i tell you if I, if I do finally write uh, the book I want to write, it's going to be a comedy because <laughs> everything I saw was hysterical. Yeah. I mean, the, the mistakes that, that all these new hikers make when they first get out there, a lot of them had never spent a night in a tent, oh boy. much less prepared to go for something as epic as 2,000 miles. And so to watch them make their mistakes and to know it was coming— and you don't even want to correct them unless it's something dangerous. Right. You want to allow them to learn on the trail the way everybody does. Everybody should learn from their own mistakes. And you don't want to be that guy, the guy who you know steps in like he knows it all and, and corrects everything everybody's doing wrong. For all you know, they know a better way and you just haven't seen it yet. Right buddy it was hysterical the things that it was literally the whole first month and a half was was i was in i don't think i stopped laughing just watching the the calamity of, of new hikers going out there trying to tackle this epic journey and some of them finally did make it i was surprised some of the people that i saw that i said you know what they that ain't poor girl, she's never going to make it. She summoned it like a week before me, so oh, she wow. was, she pulled it together. And, you right. know, there were a lot of people like that. So Now, yeah, how, was,
0: how long did it take you start to finish? Were you started in a- April?
1: Uh, March? March. I March. started March 23rd, okay. and I finished September 10th. So I think it was either wow. 171 or 172 days, something like that. And somewhere I read the statistic that the average uh time turnaround time on a through hike is 165 days but i think that was based on when it was 2180 miles okay and i did 2193 which really only adds another day right so i was within five days of average let's put it that way okay
0: and so daily i can't do that math that's higher math for me
1: yeah i did it already it's (laughs) (laughs) it's uh it, it, there were hundred it was about just over 14 miles a day for wow. every hiking day and just over 12 miles a day for every day altogether. So okay. um, you know there were days when I didn't hike at all. Probably I want to say 16 or 17 days that I took that were considered zeros. maybe, yes. maybe fewer than that. Zero but a zero is a day when you don't move the ball forward at all okay. and uh, you spend two nights in one location. And um, I had nine of those nights were uh, uh, medical necessities. Yeah, I saw that you was, had
0: something with your ankle. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I had ankle issues. I had uh, a case of cellulitis yeah. in my leg. That's a, that's a pretty serious disease that you pick up from a bacteria that develops under the skin. Jeez. And I didn't realize how serious it was until, you know, maybe day four. Oh, boy. <laughs> But I, uh, I got through that. I got over that. That took me four trips to a, to a medical clinic, two in uh, Hot Springs and two in Irvin, uh, Irwin, Tennessee. Okay. And, uh, but I, once I got past that, man, it was game on and nothing was going to slow me down. So, um, you know, I, I made up a lot of ground and I actually finished on the day I expected to finish from the get-go.
0: That's just crazy to me. It's, that's like a half marathon every single day. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to think like, I just ran one a, a couple of weeks ago and it was two hours and 14 minutes, which is okay yeah. uh, for, for most people at my age. And so <laughs> I'm imagining like, that's a full day of hiking every single day. And yeah. gosh, it just, there must be like, and so the other thing that I wanted to ask you, and this is important is you did it by yourself. Mm-hmm. which is so cool. And not everybody else, not everybody has the guts to do something like that. Not because you're doing something by yourself, but it's a lot of time by yourself. Yeah. But I see that you made a lot of friends along the way. and it looks like there's a real community around it, which mm-hmm. I could see like, you know, our photography community is, is a community. It's loose in some cases and tight in others. Mm-hmm. I, I want to I hear about your experiences out on the trail and meeting up with people and, and on all of that.
1: Well, it's, it's interesting. You go out there by yourself, but you are only alone when you're actually hiking. Right. And, and you know, at least the first thousand miles, uh, it starts to thin out after you get past Harper's Ferry. Uh-huh. Uh, they say, and I don't, I don't know how close this statistic is to being reality, but they say, you know, 20% of the people drop out in the first 50 miles. Uh, that could very well be true. It's hard to say because there is uh, what's called the bubble, and that's the start date of so many different hikers all in this one packed into this one time frame, and, um, you know, around March and April. Okay. And I was somewhere towards the middle to the end of the bubble, somewhere okay. in that that range. Well, you know, there were 50 people a day starting the trail. So you you rarely got to a shelter that there wasn't going to be 40 to 50 people right mm-hmm. in the very beginning. So, you know, but in the shelter, it typically only holds about, you know, 10 or 12 people. So everybody else is pitching a tent or slinging a hammock. And uh, I, I took a tent. And I preferred a tent. In fact, I only stayed in a shelter nine times that entire trip. Uh-huh. 171 days, I stayed in a shelter nine times. Two of those times, I was the only one in the shelter because it uh-huh. was way up north. And by then, the bubble had turned into a series of little sausages. So it wasn't <laughs> some, one big bubble. It's a bunch of little ones. And... Um, we, uh, you know, I, I went maybe 48 hours without seeing a soul, uh, except for maybe in a, one or two southbounders. I would see southbounders, but I wouldn't see any other northbounders. I was alone a couple of days and a couple of nights, and I really relished that. Huh. I really, you know, it was like that was part of what I was looking forward sure. to the most, you know, to be able to pitch your tent, uh, not even near a shelter, but on the top of a mountain where you could see the sunset. And, and have dinner and then wake up the next morning and have coffee and see the sunrise By yourself. and be yeah. totally alone right. and you're alone with your thoughts. And it was really interesting. The, the, one of the times that happened, uh, I pitched a tent and I, I you know, I watched the sun set. I you know, I'm just like thinking I was in Vermont and I'm thinking this is this is what it's all about yeah. right here. I get in my tent. It's about 730. The sun's going down. It's getting dark. And all of a sudden, I hear this voice yelling, "Anybody in there?" <laughs> and I stuck my nose out the tent, thinking, "Oh boy, there's not a, hardly a, any room around my tent for, from the spot that I pitched it for somebody else to pitch." And I stuck my head out and said, "What's you know what's going on?" And he says, uh, "He says I'm not stopping. I just want to give you a heads up. I just saw a bear 50 yards from your tent." Oh and he boy. goes, "He went the other way when he saw me coming, but just so you know, there's a bear in the neighborhood." Oh, lovely! Now I've got to go to bed sleep. You know, I'm going yeah, to go to sleep lot. thinking about that, right? Right. <laughs> now I had already hung my food in a tree, which is the proper thing to do when yeah. you're when you're camping. You, you you had to hang a do a bear hang, and I'd done my bear hang properly, so I wasn't concerned about that. Uh, I went right to sleep that night, but I didn't do so without a little you know reservation. But. Mm. Uh, you know that it was it was nice that he gave gave me a heads up and that he showed up when he did because apparently the you know the bear was going to come sniffing around and who knows how close it might have got right uh, but uh, i only saw two two bears in the wild the whole trip and a lot of people saw you know 15 20 bears i wow. saw two and they were both in new jersey so um, yeah those new know, jersey
0: I, bears are the worst yeah <laughs>
1: Fortunately, bears are pretty uh, shy. The black bears in the yeah, east. Yeah, the
0: black, yeah, the black bears. Grizzlies
1: in out west are a different story altogether, but uh, this isn't the PCT, this is the yeah, AT. They're looking
0: for a quick snack.
1: Right, right. Yeah. They're just looking for your food bag. You right.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the new the new Boy Scout campers we would send them out for the
1: Skyhook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the uh, I I camped with a lot of Boy Scouts. They Did must you? have been four or five times in four or five instances where when I would get to a shelter, there'd be a boy scout troop there and it'd be anywhere from eight to 15 kids,
0: That's cool. Uh, you
1: know, from ages, I don't know, 10 to 16, maybe. Yeah. And then be, you know, three or four scout masters with them. And I always, you know, found myself hanging out with those guys because they would feed you. They always had more food than they needed. Yeah. And, and there's nothing, you know, more exciting to a thru-hiker than somebody there with extra food. food that they're looking to get rid of, you know, yeah. and I was eating like a machine. <laughs> and so, you know, if they had, they would always, always throw oatmeal at me at breakfast, you know, I mean, that was, there that was like, cool. you know, come on, we, we can't eat all of this, come eat some of this. Well, I would finish the pot for them, right. you know? uh, And same with dinner. One night they gave me a, a Ziploc baggie with a bunch of stuff in it and called it Thanksgiving in a bag. And it had everything from mashed potatoes to turkey to beets to all this dried food. All you had to do was put two cups of water in it, let it soak for five wow. minutes, you know. And uh, and it was ready to eat, and it was delicious. Wow. So the Boy Scouts, to me, every time I saw them, I saw a meal. <laughs> they, were,
0: they were very kind, very kind. Yeah,
1: we. I was very lucky
0: growing up. We had a Boy Scout troop that was very, very active. And we camped every weekend pretty much from... The school year, so September through May, we would, and then we go to Boy Scout camp in the summer. And I did that for six or seven years, and we'd go camping in Bear Mountain in New York for in the middle of the winter. I remember some very cold, very cold nights. Yeah. Um, but uh, I loved it growing up as a kid, and it's funny as I as I got older, I found it less attractive, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the outdoors, I still, I still like the outdoors, but that's, that's a lot. That's a lot of outdoors. So anyway, we're, we're almost out of time. I, uh, and, and I loved, I'd love to hear more about it. So what advice? All right. So there's two questions. Let's do, uh, what's next for you at mm. this point? Cause I'm sure that you enjoy this. Is there, is there a new hike on the horizon?
1: Yeah, well, kind of, sort of, uh, um. I've I've, uh, I've applied for survivor uh, I would love oh, to I, saw that. Uh, I, I would love to 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 you know take on that million dollar challenge uh-huh. uh, I filmed my audition tape on the trail uh-huh. so uh, the the tape that I've sent them has um, clips of you know things that that took place on the trail and so that would be my you know first choice of what comes next okay now, give me 40 days on the beach of your choice and I'm game. <laughs> Uh, the, uh, you know, the if I can handle 171, whoops, I'm still here. You? I'm still here. Yeah, okay. Uh, the uh, you know if I can handle 171 days in the mountains with a 30 pound pack walking 2,000 miles, then I can sit for 40 days on the beach of your choice and solve puzzles. <laughs> and so I I absolutely you know would would love that opportunity. Beyond that, I do intend to write. Uh, I've got two books in my head that are at related. Um, and I'm, I've, you know, kind of started one and conceived the other. So I would like, I would love to be, see that be my next evolution of, of what I do in my, you know, as my, as my retirement unfolds, uh-huh. uh, beyond that, uh, this is business as usual at studio. I mean, at, at studio and as a photographer, right? Uh, like I said, I've got, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of you know, convention work coming up. I've got a lot of on location headshot work and, and executive work and, and commercial work coming up. It's the kind of business that, uh, uh I've always enjoyed. It's, it's low maintenance clients and, uh, they pay well and they're loyal and they're, they, 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 they love working with me. So that's the kind of business you want. You know, you want that kind of a client and I've got yeah. a bunch of them. So I'm going to keep them happy.
0: We'll have to have you back on to talk about that. But my last question is mm-hmm. uh, briefly, what advice can you offer to somebody else that's going to take on a journey like this?
1: Uh, take a lot of notes. Okay, <laughs> That's the one thing I wish I did. I did it towards the second half of this trip, but not as much on the beginning. And I wish I had done better. I've been a better note taker in the beginning. Um, do your research. There are uh, hikers to follow on YouTube. Uh, I created a YouTube channel. I documented my hike. I think I did it in 39 videos, uh, over the, the course of the hike. Uh, but do your research well, test your gear. Don't go out there completely green. You'll, by the time you get out there, you should at least understand how all your gear works yeah. and, um, and, and, and just enjoy yourself and let it unfold. Never quit on a bad day never quit on a bad day because every day is going to be bad at some point okay (laughs) there's going to be very few days that all day long is good (laughs) but you will absolutely have the time of your life if you can stick it out the the pain of having given up a a a a through hike is far greater than the pain you endure completing a through hike so Definitely. I mean, I'm 66. I'm I'm not the demographic supposed to be doing that kind of thing. I was not the oldest guy out there. The oldest guy I met out there was 82. Wow. And uh, so the and and that guy was trying to set the record for the oldest thru hiker.
0: Wow. And
1: in the same year that the youngest thru hiker, who was five years old, finished it this year as well. So, you know, it's not just. For one demographic, everybody. There's a lot of kids out there. There's a lot of young people. There's a lot of uh, old people. Um, but you know, I would just say get get familiar with your gear. Don't don't go into it totally you know green and not understanding you know there are a few people and there are rare exceptions that go out there having never spent a night in a tent and they actually complete the the through hike so that does happen but you're you're in the real thin minority there so i (laughs) I was gonna say do do your due diligence
0: and you'll be fine cool all right well thank you for sharing the, the 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 story and uh um I really, I really enjoyed it. So uh, we'll have to have you back on to talk about photography. But anyway, thank you for being on this week's episode
1: of Something New Every Week. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate you reaching out to me. And, uh, you know, I hope your listeners get something out of it. Right on. All right. That'll do it for this
0: week. We will see you next week on Something New Every Week. Thanks again for tuning into Something New Every Week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you do enjoy these episodes, I love it if you hit that subscribe button on however you're listening to this. Again, we want to thank our sponsor, Miller's Lab, millerslab.com. Great company. If you're not familiar with them, you should go check them out. Thanks again for tuning into something new every week. We will see you back here next week.